Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 112. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I am here, as usual, with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. Peter, it is Friday, June 15th. It's a rainy, cold Friday, but we're in the comfort, the warm confines of Chernobyl, our little podcast studio, which sometimes gets uh, excessively hot. So I think we're going to be okay. We are going to discuss the latest in legislative efforts to improve election security and uh, voting machine security. Uh, and there have been some efforts recently, but I guess this is the newest one. There was a bill introduced this week, uh, the Protecting American Votes and Elections Act of 2018. Uh it was written and submitted by an assortment of uh, Democratic lawmakers in both the House and the Senate. Uh, Ron, we uh, Ron Wyden, Massachusetts' own, uh, Ed Markey, and Elizabeth Warren among them. Um, Ron sure. Wyden, not from Massachusetts. I didn't want to. But they're all senators. They're all. Uh, the congressmen, uh, I think, are in there, too. Well, I mean, but Senator yes. Wyden, Warren, and Markey. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so this bill is introduced and it's, it doesn't, it's not very comprehensive. I mean, good for Wyden, Warren, all, all the rest of them for, for at least putting something out there. But to explain it, uh, to summarize it, it's a, it calls for electronic voting machines to have some type of paper ballot or receipt. It, it, you can't just have an electronic voting machine that does there's no paper trail and it also uh, demands that all states and localities uh, conduct audits of these paper ballots and the digital like a comparison of the paper ballots or paper receipts and the digital records stored on the machines to make sure that they add up makes sense right mm -hmm. So, and the bill references what's called these, uh, you know, calls these things uh, risk limiting audits, quote unquote. But these audits are, are, are just that. They're just for comparing the paper ballots to the digital record. Now, Peter, we've written a lot, we've seen a lot uh, uh, about election security over the last year plus, um, longer even, leading up to the 2016 election about voting machine insecurity and about the lack of paper trail. I think uh, there's about 20 or so states that I don't think they have any sort of, like they have machines, maybe not throughout the states, but they have machines that are electronic voting machines that don't um, have any type of paper ballot and they don't demand that any paper, paper receipt or ballot is included um, in, that, in those voting processes. So, a good thing that that this bill is is arguing for that well I, I think that what the bill argues for is a great thing I think that if we had a f at a federal level a requirement that all voting machines uh, meet these re these standards that would be great um, because it you know you say that we've been hearing about the election security for the last year or so I recall back in 2000 uh, 2004 there were 
any number of reports over time of machines that were yep. uh, digital voting so that they were strictly digital. There's no record of who's voted. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no hard uh, auditable record or a traceable record of whether someone's voted. Uh, th there even uh, were plenty of reports of, of these uh, electronic voting machines uh, being receiving a vote for one candidate and recording the vote for a different candidate. The thing about the voting machines is it's uh, <coughs> there's a lot of patronage involved. It's all it's all very uh, connected with with state and local boards, and uh, uh, there's not a lot of transparency in the electronic voting machines. There's companies that sell voting machines that do not permit uh, third party audits of their code. Um, and I could, I mean, we could go on and on and on about this. Yeah, I mean, Black Hat had to, when they did, or not Black Hat. Um, DEFCON. DEFCON, when they did the voting machine. Or this may have happened at Black Hat, Black Hat too, oh, but yeah. they had to use older equipment that they acquired secondhand because... And, and the equipment, a lot of it had, had still... Uh, stuff on it that yeah. shouldn't have been there. And the ven the vendors don't want to give these machines up to they don't have them tested. They, they, they don't they say they claim that it's uh, uh, trade secrets and it's uh, their proprietary uh, data uh, their proprietary designs and information um, but the thing that concerns a lot of people is that the companies that sell voting machines are very often have been in the past very much um leaning to one side of the political spectrum that uh, you know you can and and it's the, the reason I say that is because you can go by what the leaders of those companies do and say and what the who, who those companies are paying for lobbying and so on um, but it's not it's not a good look for democracy if you're if the people who are making your voting machines are making them in a way that evades uh, in, uh, transparency and auditability, and that's what's going on. I mean, I, I remember the conversations ha I had 18 years ago, 15, 18 years ago, Remarkable. about the fact that we have ATM machines everywhere. We have um, yep. uh, uh, automatic um, uh, uh, point of sale machines everywhere, and none of them work without a paper a paper audit trail. But I, and I will say, yeah, that's true, but. It's changing now, isn't it? I mean, you, you with with your with payment enabled mobile devices, mm -hmm. we don't like we just tap Apple Pay or or even you know um, downstairs in this building in our cafeteria, you, you don't get a paper receipt when you you make a transaction. So I, yes, that is true. That you those ATMs, but I I do think that's changing, and that I mean that's a whole another can of worms that worries me. Um, I I in uh, I actually my brother just was over in Japan, and he said everything is done through your phone, through um, digital you know um, uh, payment through your device, and there's no receipts. Well, okay, um, you mentioned the the uh, our restaurant downstairs. I, uh, I, I train the, um, the people working the teller machines down there that I I'm not interested in the receipt, but I know that if I ask them, they would give me a receipt. True. I don't use the app. I use my credit card because it's faster. The app doesn't work that fast. Yep. 
Um, but I'll, I'll put it in a different way. You and I, or, or many Americans, use their credit cards or their app or whatever it is they're, that they're doing. They're buying things multiple times a day. Uh, the, the absence of a receipt for buying a dollar stick of gum or whatever the chewing gum costs these days. Um, if, I, if I do that, if I have those transactions five or six times a day, that means I have five or six pieces of paper. Um, I'm happy to dispense with that. On the other hand, I only vote once or twice a year, uh, you know, yeah. general election and primaries if they, if there are. My, in my town, we have local elections pretty often. Um, I would I would love to get a receipt to indicate that yeah. I voted every time I go voting because I don't do it that often. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't need a receipt for for buying a newspaper. Or do people do that anymore? Yes, they newspaper? do. They do. Okay. Um, no journalism jokes in here. Okay. It, it, it hurts. It hurts. It cuts I'm too close to to home. Okay. All right. I I mea culpa. No. Um, but yeah, the, I the one of the arguments against putting the paper audits, uh, uh, the paper receipts on the voting machines back when this first came up, fifteen twenty years ago, was that oh well, it'll add expense. And it is yeah. though. I mean, I mean, I mean that 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 is true. Like that would. But I'm happy. I think I'd be happy to uh, to accept the expense of putting in uh, auditable sure. voting machines everywhere in the country, and not just and, and not allow co- uh, counties to say we can't replace these uh, decrepit and insecure machines that uh, allow s- uh, uh, malicious actors to maybe come in and and steal an election yeah. because it'll cost us an extra $10,000. Well, I guess this would be this will be jumping ahead a little bit, but I mean that's you know in terms of assessing the chances of this bill, there's not a lot in there. There's not there aren't huge demands, but the one that is in there that you have to have paper some type of paper trail, that's going to be hard to do and that's why, you know, I was going to ask toward the end but we can we can we can confront the question now. What are what are the bill's chances? Are they realistic? And to me, there's a number of factors that make it unrealistic that this thing is going to see much traction, and I don't think it's ever going to get signed, which is sad. And that's sad. That's a sad commentary on the state of election security in this country. But one of the things that, it, like practically speaking, to to basically tell the vendors of these voting machines that don't produce paper trails. That you either that their their equipment is either going to be ripped out, or they've got to you know um, I, I guess incur extra costs expenses to add something to to their systems their products that produces some type of receipt or paper ballot. That's like I don't think it's asking a lot, but those companies think. That's asking a lot, and so do the so do the localities that are going to have to pay for it. And regardless of what we think about whether it's a good idea, there's going to be pushback, and that's a fact. Well, okay. I, I mean, number one, I agree. This this bill will not pass because of political reasons, not because of the merits of the bill. Um, as far as whether or not this bill calls for much action, I think. Saying that you need to have a way to audit and to ensure the transparency and the and the uh, viability of a, a 
a free and fair election, I think I I don't think you can afford to say I'm going to put I'm going to limit how much I'm willing to pay for free and fair transparent. Oh, elections. I agree. But um, at the same time, I I think that this is that that if this were to be approved, I think it would be a very big deal because it does require the states to to take action and to and to fix things. Now, as far as uh, whether you know how much specificity the bill has about how that is done it's like any bill it's like any bill you, the government a democratic government shouldn't be telling its populace what what it should or shouldn't be buying um, which is another reason why uh, in a totally other topic that we're not talking about today the Kaspersky labs uh, uh, the the move of the government to ban uh, the purchase of, of Kaspersky Labs products from government agencies, that's bad enough, but when they when they tell um, their constituents that they shouldn't be buying these things, they're basically, they're meddling in what should be uh, a free market. Um, but yeah, let's not talk about that. And, uh, the, the, <laughs> the thing is that if, if the bill said everybody's got to buy uh, voting machines from company A, or everybody's got to, we're going to set up a government agency to develop strong, secure, free, and fair voting machines, and everybody's got to use those. There's, I mean, it's just, that's just not how we usually do things in this country. Sure. We, we sure. basically say, here's the outcome, figure out how to, how to get to that outcome, the w whatever way you, it works best for you and your state. So, um, yeah, if, I mean, if there were just another couple dozen uh, senators who are willing to sign on are a few few dozen more. A few dozen. It's going to take a lot. Yeah, and and likewise in the House, you'd th you would hope that there would be people on both sides of the aisle that are in favor of free and fair elections. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, it, it's interesting, though, and I, I guess this is sort of, th this is the last question here since we went a little out of order, but w what... So, you know, I mentioned the, the bill is somewhat small. It's not making a lot of demands. It's very sort of focused on these paper trails and what you need to do to, um, you know, ensure the integrity of the votes in each machine by comparing, you know, the, the, the risk limiting audits and so on and so forth. But, but what should be, like, what, 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 you know, if you were sort of designing an ideal election security bill, you know, take the pa paper ballot stuff uh, out of it because we both agree that's a good idea. But what else should be in there? I mean, it, it, there's so much – it feels like there's so much out there that could be done. You know, in terms of the, the, the technology, the underlying technology, like if you – you know, from the cybersecurity professional perspective, what should be done to protect these machines? I mean, me personally, the first thing I think of is there should be – and this goes back to the start of our discussion. The the vendors don't make their machines available for any type of analysis or pen test. They they frown upon this stuff. So, is there some way that you we could at least get some type of of, of legislation that relaxes or encourages these vendors to make the products available for testing and analysis, and they have to go through some type of routine. Before, they're, before they hit the ground, before they're put in any of the localities, they have to go through some type of vetting process. 
That's what I would do. I, I, if there was a bill, I would say any new equipment that is produced, you know, or that is purchased and, and deployed has to go through this, this vetting process with a third party, third party cybersecurity firm uh, that is, you know, not DHS, please, uh, but someone else come in and do an assessment of that. Again, I think that the, the ballots, the paper trail is great, but let's say if, if you, you find out that a, a machine, that it's off, that it's way off, the digital, digital votes are, are not lining up with what the paper ballot is and you, you suspect that someone's gotten in there to, to well, well, then what? Well, uh, I mean, along the lines of what you were saying, uh, talking about what should be required, I would say, number one, um, I don't want IoT, I don't want uh, connectivity in my voting machine any more than I want it in my toothbrush or my, uh, uh, or my washing machine or my refrigerator. Sure. I don't, I mean, that's, that's irrelevant and it's only going to open me up to attacks rather than, than make things better. Um, I, I agree with you about uh, suggesting that, th that voting, voting machines should have to go through a certification process that includes making them available for, uh, for extensive uh, and, s and uniform standardized tests to make sure that, they're, that they can't be uh, manipulated. Um, I would, if there is software in a, com in a voting machine, it should be open source. It should be made available, whether, you know, if you want to say that it's, uh, uh, that it's proprietary, you can do that, but you can still make it accessible so that people know what's going, what, how the machine works. Yeah. Um, right now they're black boxes and we don't really know what's we in them. We don't know what's in them. We don't know what kind of proprietary crap, pardon my language, is in there. But I mean, we, we, we do know at least with some of these older models, having you know seen them dissected at a DEF CON or Black Hat or wherever, or just any security research team that goes in there and starts pouring around in these things, they're serious issues. So yeah, it's not a bad idea. I mean, it'd be tough to sort of compel private companies, private businesses to say, you know, you have to do this. But what you could say is you could tell the states Look, if you want to deploy electronic voting, here's what you need to do. In addition to paper ballots, you've got to have it go through a third-party security assessment by a reputable vendor on, you know, here's a list of ones that we approve of, and it has to have, an, you know, um, you know, open source software of some kind, you know, and, and a list of the different whatever applications or OSs that, you would uh, approve of using so uh, yeah no I I agree I mean this is a step in the right direction it's just you know I, I, you know me I'm very pessimistic I don't think this bill has a, 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 a very good shot at becoming a reality but I also think that you know as small as it is we we need to think bigger like we need to start thinking bigger about what needs to be done and the steps that need to be taken to protect this stuff so um, and you know, who knows where it's going to go from here? I do, do. I mean, do you think what it would? Are you as pessimistic as I am about this? I think I'm at least as pessimistic as you are. Wow. About this, I think the time that we should have started working on this problem was 2001. Uh, 2005. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, on this specific bill. On this, well, this this is this is another sort of a doomed effort. It's a great idea. It's a great effort. 
Um, I don't want to minimize the fact that, that, that these senators are trying to defend their democracy, but um, I think that the combination of defunding a lot of government agencies and, 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 and making it acceptable to say, well, we can't afford this, we can't afford that, we can't afford secure elections, we can't afford free elections. That kind of thing is um, uh, the logical consequence of 40 years of, of trying to reduce the size of government. And, and the result is not a positive one for most Americans. No, I agree. We'll see if there's any political will to, to get something done here because it's, it's long, like you said, it's long overdue. And uh, Peter, we should just tell, you know, if there are any legislators out there listening to this right now, Senator Markey or whoever, uh, we're available to come in, do a little, uh, no, we're not? You're laughing? Sure. No, I'm, I'm serious. We're available to come in. And uh, do some do some uh, consulting, brainstorming. Consulting well, is a little strong. I'm a journalist, but we'll do some con- we'll do, do some uh, brainstorming. They, well, they had no? they had Matt Blaze at the top of the list of the people who were in support yes. of this. Yeah, well, and, I'm and not Matt Blaze. <laughs> Matt Blaze, who is a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's correct. And he's been working on election security for um, a long time, from at least. Uh, dating back to the beginning of this century. And uh, he he's the guy that knows what he's talking about about this. And the fact that he's supporting it um, and the fact that they, they recognize his support as by listing him first, um, that, that's what tells me all I need to know about yeah, who, yeah. who they need to, to consult with. But any, in any event, we're available. <laughs> we can come to you. Right? Right? Sure. Maybe we should call it here. Call, call end the podcast here before we go too far. Um, Peter, thank you for joining me. It was less, uh, this was less uh, angstful. Is that a word? Sure. Uh, yeah, less frustrating than I, I would have imagined. I, I think, uh, you know, it, it could have been worse. Um, no? Okay. Uh Sure. All right. I think um, we may be changing places with uh, me being the pessimist. That's and scary. Well, uh, <laughs> in any event, thank you for joining me as usual, Peter. Always great to be here. And thank you to the readers and listeners of Search Security. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.